All right, today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Sam Buffa, founder of Fellow Barber. Excited to have you on today, Sam. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if anybody's in New York, I think you've seen a Fellow Barber. Uh, you got locations in Brooklyn and Manhattan, yep. but then also over on the West Coast. And uh, what we always like to start out with, though, is like, you know, how'd you get into this racket? How did you sure. become the founder of Fellow Yeah, Barber? no, without a doubt. So in 2006, I opened the first shop, and it really came a little bit of on a whim and more of an idea idea that it was something that I was looking for. I always kind of think of myself as the first customer. Um, I was in my 20s living in New York City, and I couldn't find the place where I could get a good cut. Um, I generally went to hair salons, and when I went to hair salons, I would get the type of haircut that I wanted. But then when I went to barber shops and was looking for more of that environment that I sort of craved, they generally didn't know how to cut my hair. I have longer hair. Um, I'm not someone who necessarily gets fades. And so he was trying to find that perfect, you know, marriage of the two. And, uh, I just kind of started asking friends where they got their haircut. And it was strange that in New York city, there wasn't this consensus of a spot or a brand, um, that everyone went to. Everyone had different ideas. They went to salons or they had their friend cut it or so, um, when we opened the first shop in back of Freeman sporting club, which is a small clothing store that my friend had. It was 360 square feet. We had four chairs when we opened. And almost from day one, it really was obvious that um, there's tons of other guys out there that were looking for the same thing. Yeah. Would you say that – so this preempted like the Mad Men era. I think the Mad Men era was like <clears throat> pivotal in the men's like awareness of style, fashion, and grooming. And that was like right around then. It was right around then. Yeah. yeah. And so – the Freeman Sporting Club, they were doing custom-made suits, and it was really this right when this return to Americana was just burgeoning, especially in New York City. It was it was brand new and, and really kind of there was an epicenter happening with it, and people were getting excited about it and sort of back to craft and this idea of um, championing these, these lost sort of arts and skills. Uh, and especially with barbering, that became a, a big a big part of it. And for us, the thing that we cr- quickly realized is that there was um, barbers and hairstylists that were also looking for something that was more authentic. And when we could be a part of that and create this environment that was classic and turn of the century, and you know had this great look and feel to it, um, I think we built a, a better better home for them. So you didn't have experience cutting hair, but you – did you have experience in building, you know, this kind of community or – So I come from a retail background, customer service. I worked in hotels, um, never worked in restaurants, but uh, generally retail and customer service and hospitality. And it was really my goal to bring that missing part to the barbershop because – and let's face it, for a long time, barbershops have really been um, owner-operated – Put your name on a chalkboard, sit there and wait, and you know get the spiral right yeah, away. Exactly, right away. exactly. Yeah. And we'll get to you when we get to you, sort of attitude. Um, and so I think what we're able to successfully do is kind of create that mix of of two things: of um, bringing in better products, bringing in things that were more forward thinking, and created a, a great environment and um, a better product at the end of the day. So then how long are you in the back of the, the Freeman clothing store? So we were there uh, about two years 
And then about a year and a, a year and a half, we got the lease for our Horatio location, which is in the West Village. And that was our first standalone shop. So eight chairs, 800 square feet. And to this day, it's still our busiest shop. Um, it's a, it's, it's classic. I think, you know, we've had hundreds of thousands of people go through there throughout the years from, you know, famous actors to the interesting locals in the neighborhood. So it's, it's a fun shop. And how did you, when you were thinking about like the look and feel of that, the first big shop, how did you pick a direction? Cause there's so many different ways you can go from like super modern to like ultra classic. Yeah. I mean, especially at the time, this is 2008, um, very fascinated with the classic design. So that shop is also twenties, thirties, just sort of quintessential New York. Um, that, you know, that shop's been in Woody Allen movies. It's been in, um, uh, what was it? The, what was the one with, uh, Steve Buscemi, the TV series? Oh, Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, um, it totally fits. If you think of what a classic barbershop should look like, you walk in there and that's, that's Horatio. Right. Now, and where were you finding your stylists? So we, from the get go and, and kind of by accident, uh, because I'm not someone who came from the industry, we hired barbers and hairstylists, um, to work under the same roof from day one. And I think what was interesting in the beginning, because if you don't know the industry, you either go to barber school or you go to cosmetology school and they don't intermingle at any point, which is sad um, because there's so much to learn from each other. And so – And and there's strict regulations. I'm, I'm very close to my, with my barber and like there's very strict regulations on the training that you go through, how yep. many hours, especially for barbers. You can't take a blade to a person's face unless you are That's certified correct. for that. And yeah. so, yeah, two totally different paths. Yeah. And, and, and the unfortunate thing about that is if I go to barber school, I'm not really learning how to use scissors in the same way that if I went to cosmo school. And then on the flip side, cosmetologists, cosmetologists come out of that school – and they've, they've never done a fade. And so it's, you know, it's two totally different industries. And so we got barber license and uh, cosmetology license, owner license, which is what you need for the, to have the shop and got both those people working under one roof. And we've kind of created this hybrid, um, which we think is just a more experienced, more well-rounded uh, person that's kind of delved into both ends of the craft. So we, we generally, you know, We've actually get more people that are Cosmo that are interested in uh, getting out of the salon and the salon life to work in a in a shop that's a little bit more chill and just mm-hmm. sort of um, streamlined. Also, not we don't do hair, so they're they're not doing all you know working with a lot of chemicals, and it's just a, a little bit more of a natural, um, inviting environment. So you definitely found like your customer once you opened that first shop. And that did you were you bringing people from Freeman? Yeah, I mean the the first shop. I you know we'll be honest. You know we were really first to market, and so it was such a just overwhelming success that we were kind of bursting at the seams. And so when we opened the next door, it was it was very similar to that. We just um, there's I mean New York's a big city, and there's a lot of very stylish guys that want want what they want, and they also you know they want to look a certain way, but they want the experience to also fit in with their daily lifestyle and the things that they're into. I mean, these guys, 
you know, this is when craft cocktails are starting. This is when, you know, whole animal restaurants and this sort of sense of um, that whole ecosystem. And, and I think going to the barbershop really fit in with, you know, what those guys were looking for. Skinny ties got big. Skinny and skinny, <laughs> skinny lapels. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Tailoring came back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. but opening a business and doing real estate in 08 probably wasn't uh, a cakewalk. So opening the business in 08 was a little scary. Doing real estate in 08 was good. Because, you know, landlords were looking for tenants. Um, but we found this, and this is, and we've done the research now to prove this out, not only with our own model, but just in, in general. Um, during a recession, more people get haircuts because you're looking for a job, you got to look good. Um, and it's, it's generally actually during the high times when less people are getting haircuts because they can be a little bit more free with the way that they look. Mm-hmm. Recession proof, yeah. Recession proof, yeah. So then you open your uh, first standalone shop, and then what is kind of because now you have you have several locations. You have, you have yeah, we lot, have eleven, so. yeah, yeah. So like, what is what is the point where you say, okay, this is established, I can move on to the next one? Like, are you bringing in team members? So we for a long time it was me and my partner Will, and um, we bootstrapped everything. We just did, you know, built the company out of cash flow and. Um, kind of took bets more on neighborhoods and um, the location more than anything. So we then went from Horatio to Williamsburg and opened in Williamsburg right on the north side. Uh, We have a great big beautiful shop there that's 1,500 square feet and it's got these big garage doors and it's it's kind of a special place. And then uh, we opened in, in San Francisco and opened in the Mission District right before that really popped. And so we've kind of, we've been fortunate enough to not only kind of roam around these neighborhoods as, as people and be able to see that it's, it's where we should do our business, but be able to open there and, and benefit from, you know, the success, the natural success of those neighborhoods. What are you looking for when you're roaming around the neighborhoods? Like, is it, is it more of a gut feel or are there specific things? It's definitely a mixture. Um, it's gut feeling, but it's also looking for like-minded businesses, you know, whether it's coffee shops or clothing stores or um, bars or restaurants. Nice. And then when you come into a new space, are you is it like a, a gut build-out or are you looking for a space that kind of already has the vibe you're going for? So I generally, when I go to a space, get inspired to do something that, you know, fits the space. So mm-hmm. when I'm doing design um, – like for San Francisco, we a couple things happened. We found the location, um, and kind of at the same time, this guy um, in Texas reached out to me, and he had a a whole barbershop that was for sale, that all the contents of it, and it was a shop. Essentially, the the barber back bars, which are the, all the stations, were built in um, for the eighteen ninety. 1893 or 1894 World's Fair in Chicago and it was hand carved this whole piece out of mahogany and it was built by Koken it was like their showpiece at the time and so I ended up buying this piece and then we needed to find a place for it to fit because it was 40 feet long and we couldn't find anything in New York it was tough and it was also like 11 feet tall I mean the thing's massive and beautiful if you're ever there you should check it out 
And then we started looking in San Francisco and found this great location and it fit perfectly. And so we kind of rolled with it. And then that inspired, you know, a lot of the rest of the sort of design. Nice. So how, how is, how is your role changing as you're, you know, expanding and having more locations, bigger staff? What, what are you spending so, your time on? So a lot of what I spend my time on is new business and, and design. I love, my passion is design and building out the shops and thinking about, you know, the way that our company looks and feels. Um, but a lot of it is looking, we're in a mode of expansion and looking for new shops on the West Coast and also um, also in New York. So a lot of it is just, you know, kind of moving everything forward and and rallying the team behind what we're doing. Is your background in design? Is that, where did that, when did no, it start? No, no. It just, it started with the first shop. Okay. I had um, wanted to and, w- you know, was kind of looking to do that and was, wor- I worked under... A couple people, um, my friend Tavo, who who owns Freeman Freeman's Restaurant, and also I worked under Sean McPherson for a second with some of the hotels that he was doing, just kind of like shadowing them, and then um, just kind of started. So now there's like there's a whole genre of these hybrid kind of salon yeah. barber shops. It's funny because from the customer perspective, we don't you know most people don't know that there's that those are two different categories yeah. or you go to two different schools to, to become one or the other. Yeah. You just kind of want a good haircut and like a cool vibe. Um, but now there's, there's a genre and maybe you guys were kind of the pioneers of that. Do you, do you see more competition now or, or do you think it's just all kind of mixed and blended together? I think it's great. I think the, one of the things that we found when we got into the industry is that it, especially, um, well, just the industry in general was a little broken and, and just had kind of gone in all these different directions. And I think that, if we're part of that puzzle that helps professionalize and and make the industry better, um, then we're super excited about it. I mean, most of our barbers when we first started were cash only, hadn't gotten an actual paycheck. One of the things that we really champion is everyone's on a W-2. You know, everyone gets their taxes taken out, which is a good thing in the long run. Um, we give our barbers 401ks, we pay for health insurance. Um, we do all these things that make it so if you're a barber and you break your hand, you are still getting paid. You know, it's like you have disability. You're not, if you, you know, if you're not screwed. Like if in the old model, if you break your hand, you, you can't work and you have no safety net to fall back on. Right. Yeah. You've seen that in, in more uh, restaurants, even like uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, there's a few. You have to. The waitresses and waiters are all getting paid, you know, hourly instead of relying on tips. I think it's a good, that's a good move. Yeah. yeah. So then you end up in the stores or in, in your shops, you carry products, but yeah. now then you decide to go out and, and build your own product line, which is very cool. Yeah. We're, you know, it's, we, when we opened the first shop, it was really key to us to have a, a wide variety of, you know, men's grooming products and especially at the time in 2006 we were the i think as far as i know we were the first men's barbershop to carry malin and getz we were the first to carry baxter california um and then you know the asops of the world and all these things and really kind of brought guys on the journey that i've been going on and more wellness and actually caring about your skin and your hair and and not only what you're putting on your hair but what's in the product itself and Mm -hmm. so We've had the unique experience to uh, be a part of those trends, see what's doing well, and also we have a workforce that we can test. 
you know, not only with our barbers, but with our customers. And so we're able to, you know, build this product line from the ground up, create something that was unique and special, not only for our customer, but at the end of the day, our most important client is our barbers. Because if our barbers don't believe in it, then they're never going to sell it and it's not worth it. Right. So you get the ultimate crowdsource for uh, yeah. the product. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can always tell when a barber or a stylist, that there's there's like an in-house product. Yeah. But they actually like something else more. You know? Exactly. Like something like Cremo or like something like yeah, less yeah. expensive. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you no, got to have them believe it, in it, right? It's key. And so, you know, our product line was really born out of the barbershop and, and with the idea of, of doing something that was unique and, and forward thinking. And so we've, you know, our scents are 100% essential oils. Um, obviously paraben free, sulfate free, all those great things. Um, but the technical aspect of the products, we really feel like we were able to up any of the other products that we've sold throughout the years and really think of something that was just a little bit more, um, refined and, and something that we think does a better job. Nice. And do you find, do you carry that exclusively or do you still carry no, we products. still carry yeah. all all the, all the other brands that we've carried throughout the years. We really believe that we want to give um, our customers choice, and you know we have eight products now. So we're going to do with those eight products. They're going to be able to touch um, touch people in the way that they want to use it. But mm-hmm. you know, like we were talking earlier, like I, we don't do a face cream yet. So you know, we're not going to take that away from our customer. And yeah. How, how have you seen uh, – you've obviously seen hair evolve, men's hair styles evolve yeah. over the years, last 10-plus years. Uh, I feel like now it's getting, like, more natural, you know, like yeah. less kind of, like, high and tight face exactly. and stuff. Are your are your barbers and stylists um, happy about this change, or are they having to deal with, like, longer, more complicated hairstyles? They're ha- they're yeah. dealing with longer, more complicated hairstyles. And it's not necessarily more complicated, but it's just a different skill set. And so mm-hmm. for the last – we saw this coming, and, you know, if, if – you look at me, I generally have longer hair. And so it's something that I've been passionate about is creating a shop that can do both, hence the barbers and the stylists. Um, so we do, we have a full internal school that we do training every week. And a, a big part of that training is getting barbers trained up to do longer hair because it's, it's, it's what it is and it's always going to go through the seasons. And so, you know, six years from now, it'll probably go back to high and tight but mm. you know for 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 now it's like we need to be experts at anything yeah i like it i like seeing the the trend kind of go toward more natural and yeah. medium length and wavy hair i think it's kind of cool without a doubt yeah. yeah it was very slick for a while yeah i was a culprit of that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean the undercut side part looks good on almost anybody so yeah. it's like it's an easy oddly it didn't look good on me oh it didn't work no. <laughs> <laughs> have you had it like the kind of medium yeah, hair for like a while my whole life yeah. yeah. And so it just it just works with me and I think it, it fits my attitude a little bit more, a little bit more laid back and you know, maybe it might have maybe someone else thought it looked good, but when I looked at myself in the mirror, I'm like, that's just not me. Yeah. You know? So Yeah, you gotta feel like it, it fits your personality. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, our goal is to be able to if anyone comes in the door, we should be able to do any haircut that you ask for. And that's that's what's important because it's we should be the leader of trends and you know, what people um, sort of forecasting those things. But at the end of the day, if, if someone comes in and they want a high and tight, heck yeah, all day long, you know, it's mm-hmm. good. So you've built like 
a successful business and you built out many shops, like mm-hmm. what are some of the things along the way that, you know, were, were major learnings for you that, that changed the way you thought about, you know, business? And I mean, there's, there's tons of things that I've had to learn with real estate or finance and all this, you know, I don't, I don't come from that background. That's been an interesting education for me in general, but I think the, one of the main takeaways is just being able to be nimble. I think a lot of the times, um, it's easy to get stuck in what you think your business should be um, and what, you know, you have your personal idea of what it should be rather than sometimes what customers, you know, want from you. Right. Yeah, what's, being what, able to listen. Yeah. What's an example of that? Um, I think that I, I think if we're going to talk about hairstyles at the at the time, I, I even way back, I was very adamant on trying to get people trained up to do longer haircuts Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't there yet, you know? And so we really dove into and we're doing, and actually it was sort of the flip side because we were hiring a lot of stylists and we were were training them to do barbering because they didn't know how. And it was really feeding what the customer wanted and that's what they wanted at the time. And now they're finally coming around to me, which (laughs) is good. And, um, you know, so we're having fun with making that change. Nice. Would you, if you were starting right now, starting over, I guess, in this day and age, would you do anything differently? I mean, I think it's tough because if you're starting over during this day and age, I feel like you need a lot more money to do it, which Mm -hmm. is kind of sad. You know, I mean, what we were able to do in that first shop was literally a shoestring budget. It was nothing compared to what you hear people, you know, what we currently build out barbershops for. It's, you know, we're building something out for five times what we used to. And so um, I think there was there was an enthusiasm there that, that you know, can't be recreated and also a time in New York when stuff was cheap and you could open something and the cost of doing business was low. And so, you know, I wouldn't know how to do it any different and very fortunate that we were able to do it when we did. Yeah. Were there any big... I guess mistakes or anything that oh my uh, God. I mean, <laughs> so, so many. And, <laughs> yeah. and again, like where we've been so fortunate is that our customers been so enthusiastic about what we've done that we've been able to weather some, some serious mistakes that, um, just cost us financially, whether it be, you know, making a bad deal on this or, or, um, you know, whatever it might have been that, um, we still had good cash flow coming in that we weathered the storm. Mm-hmm. Were you ever tempted to take in outside money and try so, and grow faster? So we have in the last two years. We took on a minority investor, um, but it really was more about the partnership. Uh, we were able to find someone that was in line with what we wanted to do, which was grow slowly and more organically. Um, but you know, we we went ten years with without doing that. But it got to a point where then we're just kind of taking money out of it ourselves and putting it back into the business for a decade, which, you know, is great. And we were able to build it, build it up to what it was and is, but after a while that does get painful. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, you had said you'd open so many shops just in the last 18 months. I mean, yeah, we opened five, five shops in the last 18 months, relaunched the product line with, you know, new branding, new packaging, all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, a lot of the other things that we did was just kind of get our, our, business in order we we bootstrapped and and grew organically and so your business kind of becomes its own um, entity which 
you know, good or bad is, is different than what you would do if you were, say, a startup and you started with X amount of cash and you had your sort of mandate from day one. Your organization would uh, would run very differently than something that's kind of been piecemeal throughout the years. Right. So then, you know, as guys are looking at, at products, is there something that, that they should look for as they're, you know, trying to determine? Because there's so many brands. There's, you know, tons of options, yeah. creams, washes, like – uh, besides going to a traditional brand that they might know of, like what are some of the things that the guys could look out for? Well, I think a lot of the younger brands like us, um, in terms of, you know, we're doing things that are more forward thinking. I think when you go to your general drugstores and get something that's off the shelf, the actual product that's in there isn't that great for you. Um, and so what we're doing, like say with our washes, is we really believe that you should you should look at your hair and your hair health is something that's more seasonal. So we have a summer wash and a winter wash. And so right now it's obviously cold in New York city, um, except for today is a little kind of nice, but generally cold in New York city and, and your hair is feeling the effects of that. And so, um, you know, it's harsher weather, it's drier, you're, you're moisturizing your face more, more. So why not moisturize your hair and but um do it in a way that's that's thoughtful and so i'm using the winter wash i generally use it once a week how often do you guys wash your hair about once a week yeah yeah, yeah. depends on how active i am too you know it's yeah like, i feel like you really sweat at the gym gotta use some shampoo yeah i mean so i think guys in general um are finally catching up to this idea that women have kind of known for a while but that you know Guys, we were taught to wash our hair every single day, which is mm. not a good thing. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you're not clean unless, unless it foams, you know, super high. And, like, and you know, we obviously know that that's not what you should be doing now. And so it's really important that you, that you wash less and you keep those natural oils in your hair and let your hair, you know, your hair is, is built to cleanse itself if you let it. Um, so, you know. I'm using the winter wash right now is obviously using the summer wash over the summer and it's, and it, what's great about it is that you can use less product at the end of the day because you can get out of the shower. Your hair feels good. If you want a little bit of hold, put a little bit of hold on, but you don't need to strip your hair and then put product in that doesn't wash out. You know? And so I really feel like if you're looking for product, hair product, it should be water soluble. It should be something that's, that has naturally de derived you know, um, properties to it and, um, paraben free, sulfate free, all these things that we do and other brands are, are doing too now. Yeah. I feel like, you know, my, I always say with my channel, my goal is to get guys to get like the thing that's one step nicer because they exactly. can experience that a little better. Yeah. And so like a huge change for me was going from like drugstore, yeah. you know, a couple dollar shampoo to getting something that's really nice. But then I think there's just so much, there's a huge lack of education in what that means to buy a, a uh, you know, shampoo that's $10 versus $2 and, yeah. and how much better that is for you. And so I'm always trying to figure out how to, to message it correctly. Yeah. I think also getting guys used to the idea of like cost per use, because if you're only using it once a week, then it, it might exactly. not be more expensive than the stuff you're getting at the grocery no, store. No, that's exactly yeah. right. And, and also, your hair won't yeah. fall out because it's thinning and yes. yeah. chemically full of chemicals. No, that's yeah. exactly right. And, and also you don't have to use that much of it. You know, mm -hmm. I think guys just even if they are doing it once a week they're putting in like you know a massive amount of their hands and just like going nuts on it and, and you really 
again, it's like think of your hair as your face. Like you know when your face is dry. You're looking at your face. Touch your hair. Touch your scalp. Like feel how much oil it has in it. If it's super oily and you need to wash it, wash it, you know? But like if it's not, let it let it ride. Yeah. And beards too. Keeping your beard trimmed, yep. keeping your beard healthy. Are you thinking about like beard care and, and that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, we're definitely, we'll do that product eventually. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, and, you know, we're at the moment, we're focusing on hair. Um, and then we'll move to face and, and really, you know, get, get towards the beard. I use some of the winter wash on my beard because it's a cleansing and moisturizing agent. Um, I really believe in then when you get out of the shower, you use a essential oil of some sort that's, that's, you know, richening and, and moisturizing. That's definitely a renaissance too. Like after the Mad Men era and then it was like in the beard era. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure that's a different skill set from cosmetology as well as even just maintaining and, and trimming beards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Without a doubt. And also doing beard trims that, you know, that aren't all lined up. It's that look more natural. That's one thing that I always, I always have a beard and, and, uh, and when I went to barbershops in the past, I'd come out of there with, you know, fat lines in them and, you know, super sharp. And it's just, it's not my look. And, and it's, you know, it's been part of the thing that we do that it's approaching that beard like a haircut. Yeah. When you keep it natural to you, you don't have to get as many cuts. Exactly. You know, if you're buzzing in your part line, it's like you better be there in three weeks. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't have that problem because, uh, can't grow a beard, but All yeah, right, when we started this podcast, I couldn't grow a beard, and then it's, you did grow a beard for a little while. <laughs> yeah, but it's developed. It's uh, I've aged into it. Yeah, I tried it once, and uh, it didn't go well. So fair enough. So we have a, a series of rapid fire questions. We like to run our guests through just yeah, like yeah. quick one word answers. You ready? Yeah. All right. Boots or sneakers? Sneakers. Spring, summer, or fall, winter? Fall, winter. Morning or evening shower? Uh, morning. Jeans, chinos, or trousers? Jeans. Nice. Or cords today. Cords today. Oh, cords I know. Today. And I'm wearing boots today, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I feel like spring here in New York right I now. Know. Uh, lifting or cardio? Cardio. Uh, is there a favorite book or movie you've seen or read recently? Uh, I have a six-year-old, so I haven't read a lot of books recently, unfortunately. Um, but a favorite movie is uh, Pride and Prejudice. Mm, Always okay. go back to it. Right. Yeah. Uh, favorite actor who's played James Bond, if you have one? Connery. Connery, nice. That was a quick answer. We usually People usually take a while to yeah. Yeah. that one. Yeah. And then last question, if you're trying to get yourself pumped up for a big day, what song are you listening to? Um, I generally, I'd actually rather go for a run. I, I don't mm -hmm. really, not really a music. What song do you listen to on the run? Yeah. I don't. No? no, just clean, just clean, pure. No, no podcast, no nothing. It's like my only like moment during the day when I'm not plugged into. Where's your favorite place to run? Uh, the Brooklyn Bridge Park. I live in Dumbo, Vinegar Hill, and yeah. so I, I have a nice four mile loop that just gets me right on the waterfront. Rain or shine, winter or summer? Yeah, I love winter running. Wow, that's that's my favorite. That and and surfing in the winter is two joys of secret joys in new york city surfing on uh out in, the, out in the rockaways and yeah 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 now i watched the, i watched the, the rick burns documentary on new york it's like mm -hmm. 16 hours from a pbs yeah Jeez. i had no idea how groundbreaking the brooklyn bridge was when it was built and it was like the tallest structure like yeah. the tallest man-made structure i had no idea wow at the time yeah, yeah. I, I run under it all the time hmm. yeah it's great yeah and then robert moses 
drove highways through the whole right. place. The BQE right through my backyard. <laughs> I know. It's crazy stuff. So you survived rapid fire. That was great. Good. Uh, so then what are you excited about most in the next uh, 12 months or so? What's on the horizon? So for us, um, you know, continuing to roll out the product line, but also get it out to more people and more shops, you know, we really believe that it's going to live best in a professional environment and be sold at barbershops and salons, which we're, we're doing as we speak and, you know, really just getting into people's hands and getting them to enjoy it. And a lot of it is, is letting them experience what they experience in the shop and being able to bring that home. Uh, we've, you know, serviced and done a lot of haircuts throughout the year. And so um, when people get to take that away and, and kind of have that take-home feel is, is great. And then more shops. We're looking at more in New York and possibly Calif- you know, Southern California. Yeah, got to expand down down the coast. Got to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for coming on, Sam. Great to tell your story. And if you want to check out Fellow Barber if they're in New York or yeah. ignore the products online. Yeah, too. of course. Good. And uh, you have a store locator for – Maybe where the shops are that have your stuff? Yeah, we, we are actually building that out now. So that'll be on, on the shop. And then you can, uh, of course, just order at fellowbarber.com. What's the, if someone's going to start with like just one or two products, where would you point them to? I think our summer and winter wash. I think you're, if you have longer to medium length hair, you can't go wrong with either your styling cream or our hybrid clay. Great. Great recommendations. Thanks for coming on, Sam. Thank you. Great to meet you. Likewise. Thanks. Cool.